Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skills Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NAIA, NJCAA, and a growing number of NCAA coaches to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This four-minute, 40-shot test can be taken free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. At Grapevine Faith, where I'm at, we love to shoot the three, and it's it's kind of what we pride ourselves on. When you took over the the Baylor women's program, they didn't utilize the three-point line that much. They were near the bottom of the NCAA, and then in a short year, you really put them up more towards you know the front of it as far as made threes and attempts. And so what was it like coming into, uh, at that level, establishing that shooting culture? Well, I think what helped was obviously having Jordan Lewis and then getting Jamie Asbury in the transfer portal, you know, both players who had proven they could make threes. I think when Jordan got to Alabama, when you looked at her, she was just a really cool story of a player that statistically got better each and every year. And being a six-year senior um, this past year, you know, she was she was kind of an adult among girls sometimes. But um, And I think Jamie, you know, second in the league in, in three-point field goal percentage and by a hair to Taylor Robertson at Oklahoma. So someone who had shot a high volume of threes. So you, you add those two plus Sarah Andrews, who had gotten limited minutes as a freshman, um, but but who I certainly believe Coach Mulkey knew could shoot. And, you know, she had told me in the transition, like, that Sarah Andrews can really shoot, you know. And so um, we, we put three players out on the floor that really could shoot the basketball. And I think when when you play three kind of point guards slash combo guards, um, you, you have to take advantage of that. They could all handle it a little bit. They could all shoot it. And so we certainly didn't become the team overnight that was going to live and die by the three-point line. Um, but we wanted balance. We wanted when they took away the inside to be able to make the outside. We wanted to um, be able to hit threes so that it was easier for Nalissa and Queen to operate in the lane. And so I think having that balance um, makes you harder to guard. Confidence is really huge for for players, but I think it's even uh, it comes out even more in shooting. So how have you been able to help your players maybe weather storms of misses? And and again, I, I think it's a culture of shooting to make that dramatic of a change, even though, like you said, some of them were there, but you came in and, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing instilled some more confidence in them. It's, it's confidence in wanting them to shoot them and wanting them to shoot them when they're open. You know, I think it's, it's, you still, you know, our, our philosophy was good to great, give up a good shot to get a great shot. If we get a great shot and we miss it, um, you know, kind of encourage um, is is important to us. We we spend a lot of time talking about tapping up, makes and misses, like, hey, touch each other, um, you know, really, really create an atmosphere um, where you're lifting each other up. And, and one of the things I always talk to point guards about, especially, is that if you're going to be an extension of me, your job is to be that positive influence. Your job is to be the person that when your teammate misses two or three shots in a row, you walk up to them in a huddle and you say, hey, I'm going to get you a shot on the next possession and it's going in. You know, like speak confidence into them, make them want to take that next shot um, because I, I think it makes everybody better. But I think a lot of it stems from when you work for someone like Carl Samesco, 
who truly is an analytical genius, who believes in, you know, nothing but threes and five feet and in layups or threes. No mid-range. Um, Doesn't I exist. I mean, there is no gray area. Shot clock can be running down. He'd still probably rather you take a 30-foot three than, you know, an open 15-footer. Um, you know, but I think it's philosophically how he teaches the game, how he teaches the shot. Um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about misses. If the ball is long and it's straight, um, we talk a lot about what's a good miss and what's not a good miss. And if if our, our players give the ball a chance, um, and, and we even speak that way, we don't say be, sh- you know, don't be short. We say be long, you know, yeah, because yeah. it's that whole the idea, of, side of it. you know, yeah. I, I always tell them that, hey, if you're short, you're going to miss 100% of the shots. But if you miss long, you even have a shot for it to bank in. And I know no one wants to bank in a long shot. Um, you know, not on purpose, but it still counts. And so give the ball a chance to go in. And so that that's a big part of it is, are you taking good shots? Are we in rebounding position in those situations? You know, and then are you shooting it long and are you shooting it straight? And if you're doing those those things, then then I'm good with the shot. I love that idea of, you said tap it up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Because I think it's, it's great when coaches, they... Uh, a shooter misses and they come behind them, encourage them that that's the right shot, step up. And I always tell my players that it what who misses me, it means we're about to get hot. So yeah. if they're over five it's and next I said, shot. Yeah. You you have to have you have to have a next shot mentality. And it doesn't mean um I do think players need to understand understand game flow. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you do need to turn down the first open shot, um, you know, and and get in a rhythm and touch the paint for us. Um, as much as we talk about balance and threes, you know, free throws, getting the ball inside five feet, it all is predicated for us on touching the paint. Mm. And so we just don't believe in it necessarily in the most traditional sense of touching the paint means a post up. For us, it's touching the elbow. Any piece of the paint that we touch off the bounce, you know, gets yeah. our three-point shooters better shots. It converges the defense. So whether we're getting a paint touch on a cut, off dribble penetration, off a post-stop, by screening someone into the lane. Um, you know, that's super important to us because for us, you know, we we succeeded on almost two-thirds of our possessions when we got a paint touch. Um, people think, oh, well, you drive it in there, you're more apt to turn it over. Quite the contrary for us. It was the opposite. Yeah. Um, sometimes it simplifies what the next decision is. If you if you get to that decision point and things are in front of you, um, you can make simple simple decisions that lead to good shots. That's a great point because a lot of, I I believe a lot of turnovers on the perimeter happen when we're trimming the edges, when it's just moving around and defenders are able to, without a lot of movement, start to anticipate, get closer to that player, read a pass. But you're right. When they get to the paint and the defense collapses in, you're creating even easier, better passing angles for your, for those teammates. No question. And I think for us, you know, I mean, if I were to pick on last year's team, you know, in an area that we've got to be better this year, um, it's taking care of the ball in transition. You know, a, a time when you think it would be the easiest um, to make plays, you know, it's it's the over, over exuberance and you underthrow a long pass or you, yeah. you want a play to happen or you're not good in two-on-ones. And so growth for us happens in spending a lot of time two-on-one, three-on-two, four-on-three, you know, are we making simple basketball plays in those settings and not trying to do too much? And I would imagine just like shooting, the way that when they're taking the right shots, even when they're missing, you encourage that in transition, when they're taking the right chances, when they're doing trying to do what you're asking them to do, I would imagine there's a lot of positive 
feedback and reinforcement in those situations too, right? Yeah, and I think it's it's who am I throwing it to and when am I throwing it to them? Yeah. You know, once again, for us, um, you know, and this is very different from a lot of coaching philosophy. I mean, everyone, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. Um, I'll, I'll throw ahead. I'll pitch it ahead and let let the ball come from the wing if I feel like we're throwing it to an attacker that that's a nice. good decision maker. Um, but there's a reason I have point guards. And, and a lot of times, the more I can keep it in my best ball handler's hands, make her make more of the decisions, like keep the ball longer, attack the paint, um, read those kickouts. For us, analytically, we just didn't shoot the three very well when we threw it ahead and shot it. You mm-hmm. know, like it's catching it over your shoulder. It's getting your feet right. It's getting it on hard. balance. Yeah. But when we would really attack to a numbers situation, touch the paint and then kick it out to them. You know, we were a really good three-point shooting team because, once again, it's the inside-out pass. It's the shot that you've taken thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And I'm not saying that the great shooters can't shoot it anyway they catch the basketball. I mean, but I'd have to believe even if I broke down Steph Curry's three-point shooting, if he's got an inside-out pass versus an over-the-shoulder pass, you know, that's just a better clean look at the rim. And so for us, it's understanding even in those situations – like, don't just throw it to throw it. If you're throwing it to create an advantage, if you're throwing it because you feel like, you know, you have a post fill in the lane and they're going to get a better angle on that post feed, okay. But if we're just getting rid of it, I would rather you be in full-on attack mode, play downhill, you know, and, and get a paint touch and see what happens, you know. And if not, let's play into our secondary stuff. Let's drag, let's step up, let's swing it and get in, get into a ball screen. And so everything that we do is predicated off of actions. You know, we're not a big believer in, hey, let's pull it back. Let's set it up. Let's get everyone to the Joy, perfect stick spot. Them around. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I believe in teaching them how to play and not how to run plays. Um, not that we don't. We certainly have plays. We certainly want to get the ball to certain people at certain times and certain spots. But, you know, as much as I can get my teams to – play free, play from one action to the next, not let the ball stick, great ball movement, great player movement. Um, I'm pretty happy on the sidelines. Yeah, and there's two things with that. One, it's harder to guard. I mean, harder to guard players that are on in flow making reads where it's not all, uh, you know, uh, you're not pulling all the strings. And, And then it's also more fun more fun to play that way and I think we forget that sometimes as coaches when we want the great plays and the execution what's what's the most fun is creating concepts where they can like you said make plays yeah I think for me the 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 times I'm most excited as a coach um or when you know the the energy in the building is there for me is when I see players make good decisions make open shots and I see a lot of people pointing at one another um you know if you're pointing at your teammate if you're tapping them up if they're all on the same page I mean basketball is a team sport for a reason and you know when the ball's moving and the most open players getting it um they're being unselfish you know it just that to me is fun basketball to watch you know I always say like I have an offensive philosophy it's I, I want to be the prettiest team in the country on offense um you know and and defensively I want it to be just the opposite we want to take away you know your strength we want to make you to go to option two or three like we want to make it ugly at one end um you know and, and be really really pretty at the other end and and certainly there are ways to be smash mouth and win and and pound people on the boards and all of that and and I think you have to do um what your team does best but mm-hmm. I think when I say like what do I 
in a perfect world. Yeah. You know, I, I want the ball movement, the player movement, the unselfish play, um, open shots, you know, and, and, and just a lot of players pointing at one another and, and kind of congratulating and, and understanding that sometimes it's the hockey assist that is the most important part of the play. Mm. One thing you said early on, I, I wanted to follow up with that is, you mentioned the six-year senior and how they're adults, you know, they're, they're uh, in your program. What's the difference for you that you've seen coaching the 23 to 24-year-old and then the 18-year-old that's just coming in? What are some big differences there? Yeah, I think it starts with just like there's there's way less anxiousness, you know, when, when you've played and, and whatever level you've played at, um, you know, there's experience in just having court time. And so, you know, from a learning curve perspective, even though for even our seniors last year, our terminology was all new. There were so many new parts to like what we did. It was at times like having a team full of freshmen. But when you've played more basketball, you pick it up quicker because you've, whether you've faced it against another opponent and you've scouted it before, you know, you've kind of heard some of these things or seen some of them. Um, and, and I think you just get acclimated to the college game a lot longer and, and, and in a lot of ways you let plays go sooner, you know, you make mistakes, but you move on more quickly. Um, you realize that perfection is impossible to attain. Mm. So, you know, you kind of understand, Hey, there's game slippage, you know, but I, I've got to correct. And, and there, there's better self-correction, uh, the older you get, you know, it's, yeah. it's sometimes you can just look at them. And they already know what you're going to say to them before you say it versus some of the young guys where you look at them and they have no idea what you're going to say. And they and sometimes you look at them and say, great job. And all they do is light up and smile because they were waiting. They were waiting for that correction. <laughs> and that's when you know they're not even sure. You know, they're not yeah. sure enough to know that, wow, I'm playing really well. And coach just said something really nice to me. And I was waiting for some kind of correction. So I think that's the biggest difference, you know, there's, there's confidence and experience. There's, um, you know, kind of a consistency and, and a little less of that emotional roller coaster, kind of the, the older a player gets. I would imagine it's kind of fun on both of those ends. It's fun with the older player, just having to give them a look. They got it. We're on, as a coach, like we're on the same page. I feel really good about that. Then the younger player is, I, it's fun like watching them just figure things out and become in real time and, and connect some dots. So I, I yeah, I would imagine that's yeah, fun. Yeah, I think there you you see those light bulb moments yeah. where whether it's they've seen it now enough times or they just suddenly feel it or you set it in a new way that finally hits the chord that, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, we're really big on teaching screening angles. And not just saying, hey, go set a screen. You know, we're going to we're gonna talk about controlling feet. We're going to talk about the angle that we want the feet at. You know, whether we're screening for a shooter or a downhill driver and, and why. You know, I'm a big believer in teaching why. I mean, when I played, I was a why player, but not in a why generation. And so, you know, when I played, you just, whatever coach said, you just said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And, and you did it. You know, and you um, and and you certainly sometimes would have an assistant that you could kind of stand next to and, right. you know, kind of ask those questions quietly. But you certainly weren't going to disrupt practice to ask those questions. And I think 
look, this Gen Z generation naturally wants to know why, Um, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the great part about coaching is I think when they, they really do understand the game, they don't just run plays. They don't just go to eight, eight from A to Z um, or A to B and B to C, you know, but they really start to understand like, why, why would we hedge this player versus switch on this player? Why, um, you know, are we doing the things that we're doing? And I just think whether there are certain players that can be successful in either environment. Um, but I think ultimately long-term, I want them to leave Baylor and, and if they want to coach, they can coach. If they're, yeah. if they're going to go pro, they're that much further ahead because they've heard all the terminology. They understand when to twist the screen and when to change the angle on a screen. And, um, you know, all those things that, you know, when, when Liss and Queen were reaching out after they started Indiana Fever training camp, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so easy for us. Um, not that being in the pros is easy, but this right. idea of it wasn't new terminology to them. Um, it was very similar. The actions were similar. And and so because of that, you know, you're you're trying to prepare them. Um, and if nothing else, hey, if they want to be doctors, we've we've taught them how to think. You yeah. know, we've taught Ask them how questions. to analyze and how to scout and, and how yeah. to problem solve and how to think about different ways to do things. And so, you know, it's it's I'm going to hopefully coach players that that play for 15 years once they leave here and players that won't play for 15 minutes, you know, after they leave here, but that they've you know really gotten something from the experience. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast share it with your fellow coaches and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.